I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Haren, assistant editor at TFS and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I will be your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Each week, a guest and I discuss a film from his filmography, which we're working through in chronological order. On this episode, we'll be discussing Johnny Mnemonic. Joining me to discuss the 1995 cyberpunk action thriller is Danielle Ryan. How's it going, Danny? Hey, it's good. It's going good. How are you? Doing very good. Uh, we're gonna t- we get to talk about a ridiculous and wonderful Keanu movie. Uh, so before we do that, uh, what are your thoughts of uh, Keanu uh, in general? Uh, I feel like if I met somebody who told me they didn't like Keanu Reeves, I wouldn't trust that person. So he's he's pretty much like the golden. Uh, the golden status for Hollywood and for celebrities that are cool people in real life and they're cool people in the movies. So I love Keanu. So super stoked to be here and talk about him in one of his most ridiculous roles. Awesome. Yeah, you're in the right place for sure. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, Johnny Mnemonic is a, uh, it's, it's hard. It's almost hard to describe, but it's, uh, it is cyberpunk. Uh, It's, uh, actually from uh, William Gibson, uh, which I didn't actually realize until I rewatched it earlier this year, because uh, he is kind of the founder of uh, cyberpunk. I'm not super into, I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I'm not, like, I'm not super well read in, uh, especially in fiction, uh, but... Uh, are you into cyberpunk very much? I do like cyberpunk. Um, Gibson is a little bit dense. He's kind of difficult to get into. Uh, his book Neuromancer is kind of considered like the first major mm-hmm. cyberpunk book. And right. I, I've had a hard time getting through that one, but I have read the Johnny Mnemonic short story and I've read um, some of his other works. And Gibson is really, really difficult. Um, and I'm surprised that they chose to translate mm-hmm. his work uh, as opposed to there's some other stuff that might have been a little bit easier and some of the later cyberpunk stuff too. Right. Um, especially like what they call post cyberpunk, which is like uh, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash would make right. it that would make a great movie, would be super easy to translate. This one's a little more difficult because you're working with pre-internet ideas of the internet. Um, but yeah, I love Gibson, and uh, I do have a little bit of knowledge on on Johnny Mnemonic and the world and the characters and everything, and I love me some cyberpunk. Yeah, I remember watching this for the first time. I don't remember how old I was, but I remember I like it was the first kind of thing. I was basically, I was into Keanu Reeves, so I was like, Willing to watch anything that he was in, even if I didn't know what it was about. Same. Uh, so I remember watching this, literally having no 
I mean, I probably hadn't even seen Blade Runner at that point. Like, it was the, you know, where I had no knowledge of that kind of thing, uh, apart from maybe, like, uh, I don't know, like, the, are you familiar with the cartoon? I don't know if I'm too, I don't know, but uh, the cartoon Reboot. Oh, I know Reboot. That's, yeah, uh, like, so maybe that was the only yeah. exposure to even slightly this kind of computer uh, sci-fi weirdness, but, uh, yeah, so I... This movie, I remember uh, liking it as a kid, um, not necessarily understanding it, so I was kind of worried when I first uh, went to revisit it uh, earlier this year, uh, but it's just so much fun. It is. It's a really fun movie, and that's why like everybody I know that has seen it when they were a kid, they're like, I loved it when I was a kid, and there's so much stuff in this that kids probably shouldn't be seeing. Um, it's <laughs> right. kind of like Total Recall. Like I remember yeah. my brother and I loved Total Recall as a kid, and I'm like, who let us watch that? Oh, my dad. That's right. Uh, he actually went, guys, Total Recall's on TV. Come watch it. That was my first cyberpunk movie, so <laughs> that's that's where I got my, my start with Arnold. Fantastic. But with Johnny yeah. Mnemonic, yeah, it's just such a fun movie. And while it doesn't always work, and some of some of it kind of is a little shaky, and some of it is super dated, right. um, overall, I think that it its heart is in the right place, and that the people involved are giving it their their fun. They're giving it their all. They're having fun with it, and so it works based on that. And with this cast and. You know, William Gibson did write the screenplay. Now, it was edited super heavily, apparently. Um, The movie he originally kind of oversaw was much, much funnier, a lot lighter, uh, which would have been great because Gibson's got a really dark, dry sense of humor. So that could have been a lot of fun. And those humorous moments are still kind of there. Like Mm -hmm. uh, the I want room service rant is, is very funny and it's kind of... That's Gibson's sort of sense of humor is that, like, you shouldn't really be laughing at this guy having a nervous right. breakdown, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, and it's kind of clear that, that, you know, this was in the mid-90s, so everyone, they kind of adapted it into a, I'm sure studios to get money were like, make this more of an action movie, make it darker, make it, uh, try to be more serious, that's what they were, uh, you know, that's what movies, people were going to see at that time, so, uh, but what we got is still... A fun, you know, again, it's just really enjoyable. Um, Keanu's often accused of, um, you know, not uh, really understanding what kind of movie he's in, which is wrong. It's a wrong, we've, which I've discussed in other, uh, episode, other episodes. But I feel like this one, it's fully, he commits to the weirdness of this world. And, like, uh, we believe it even, even in its dated, uh, with its dated CGI and stuff because of how committed he is to this role. Uh, he's just super... Uh, and he, again, he, there are... It is funny in parts, which is... Uh, and I feel like that's purposeful. It's I think uh, it's not funny because it's lame. It's funny because it was intentional. So uh, he has a lot of fun with this role. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a little bit cheeky. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of a wink and a nod. Like, it's not playing itself 100% seriously, which is great, and which is, I think, why it works a little bit better than some of the other cyberpunk movies from this exact same year, because mm-hmm. 95 is the year of terrible cyberpunk movies, because <laughs> uh, you've got the Judge Dredd with Stallone, which I still right. maintain is just really difficult to get mm-hmm. through. Um, and then you have Tank Girl, which I have a love-hate relationship with and also has iced tea in it. So, <laughs> uh, 
this one actually has its heart in the right place, like I said, and, and it feels genuine, and it feels like the people that are making it think that what they're making is really, really cool. And right. that's why it works. And so you've got Keanu, who is like Mr. Cyberpunk, you know, went mm-hmm. on to do The Matrix. He's in everything. Right. You've got Dina Meyer, who's in all kinds of other great sci-fi stuff from this area, era. Like when I went and did my rewatch, I was like, Starship Troopers! Oh my god! Right. Yeah, I love her in Starship Troopers. I think she's... I honestly think she's she should have been in more stuff after uh, she her time in the nineties. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. she was great in Birds of Prey, but like uh, canceled before its time. But uh, anyway, the yeah, the cast is great. Uh, this is, I think, Ice T is like uh, it's weird that Ice T is in this movie, but it also makes perfect sense that Ice T is in this movie. For 95, uh, like, right. yeah, you basically, if this movie had come out in 99, it would have been Ice Cube instead of right. Ice T, but that's how they, they basically did that, was they would just, you'd get one of the ices, depending on which night part of the 90s you were in. Uh, yeah, and I love the, so yeah, it opens, uh, we'll get into the plot a little bit here, yeah. it opens with a uh, scroll as it does, because it needs to, it's, you know, just got to convince people that, who know nothing about cyberpunk, kind of what all cyberpunk worlds are like, which is... Corporations are in charge. Technology is really crazy, but everyone's poor. Is basically how it. Uh, everyone's miserable. Corporations rule rule the earth. Uh, I love that it. You know, it says like most eighties, nineties uh, movies set in the future. It's always set probably not far enough in the future because it says it's twenty twenty one. So we're clearly three years away from uh, you know having virtual internet and storing. Uh, data in our brains so we are totally three we are totally three years away from being able to telepathically communicate with dolphins that are on smack (laughs) we are so close to that uh yeah i mean but it's also great like uh so basically uh johnny is a a mnemonic courier which is they uh carry data directly in their brains uh and i love how so like they make this big deal of like he can store 80 gigabytes in this drive and it's like awesome like that's super great you know <laughs> i'm yeah. sure that was a lot in the 90s but like yeah it's just it's one of those uh, one of those moments where you're like oh that dated, dated. it yeah, yeah. yeah it's like remember when you could like oh my god eight megabytes on a on a usb stick was like so crazy huge and now i'm like man that won't even hold like one song if i want it in good format you know right it's uh crazy yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, this corporate corporations are in charge. Uh, there's this group of which is Ice T, which is a member of the Low Techs, uh, which is funny. Like, yeah, they're I guess they're low tech, but are they? It's fine. I mean, I guess relatively speaking. I mean, uh, yeah, and, but then yeah. they're also like they have the, like they call themselves the Low Techs, but they have this giant uh, system that hooks into everything with all these TV screens. And they have all this crazy technology, and they have the psychic dolphin. So I right. really don't think that they're that low tech. Um, one thing that's interesting in the book is that the low te- or in the story, the Low Techs are actually like they modify themselves with animal DNA. Um, oh. and animal parts. So, like, the Lotex have, like, one of the guys has tiger teeth and, like, another guy, like, has animal eyes and things like that. So, th- with this, they just kind of went 90s tribal. Like, it just looks like yeah. Ice-T and all his buddies went to a rave somewhere in the middle yeah. of the 90s. Like, pretty much every character has basically the same haircut, the same dreads, and, the, you know, like, the... Uh, and they all have anarchy symbols on their heads as as, as you do. Oh, yeah. Like, instead of Charles Manson's crazy stuff, you just do the anarchy symbol. There you go. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so basically it opens with uh, Johnny uh, in bed with some random girl he picked up. Uh, and there's the... But it also, again, Keanu does a great job of selling this with uh, immediately kind of getting it, you know, getting the emotions of it uh, where this girl's leaving and he's like, uh, why don't you stay? And uh, it's clear that he's like a very sad... He's rich, but he's very sad and... Uh, you know, just kind of lost. Yeah, yeah. he's sad and lonely. He's very much like, he's not as, the, he, he's a competent version of Deckard. Because, like, mm-hmm. my whole thing with Blade Runner is Deckard is so incompetent. He's, like, the world's <laughs> crappiest Blade Runner. Right. Whereas I feel like Johnny Mnemonic is actually, he's actually pretty good at what he's doing, other than he thinks that he can do things that he cannot physically do. Right. Uh, you know, but he actually is fairly competent and he knows what he's doing. So he's, but he's still that every man. He's still kind of just a guy. He's just a man's man kind of dude. And Keanu's so perfect for that. He's really good at playing those kind of roles where you can sort of attach yourself to him and see the movie through him as well. Exactly. Uh, and the, uh, so he, like you said, he's very, he's good at his job, but at the same time, he's like working basically just, uh, job to job. Like he, uh, he's got his man or his, uh, handler, Ralph, Ralphie played by, uh, delightfully weird, uh, Udo Kier, which is funny since he was, uh, just a few episodes ago, we were talking about, uh, you know, my own private Idaho who, and Udo Kier's in that as well. So kind of fun to see them reunite in very different, uh, circumstances. Obviously. Very, very different. Anytime Udo Kier shows up, it automatically classes up the joint. It's just like an immediate little extra that you get with your movie. Yeah. Uh, and then it also introduces that there's this, uh, disease that's, uh, called, um, what is it? Neuro. Uh, anyway, it's a disease that's killing people across the world. Uh, and there's like, no one knows what causes it or what the cure is. Oh, here it is. Nerve attenuation syndrome. That's it. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's yeah. NAS. They call it yeah. NAS a couple yeah. of times. Yep, so we'll refer to it as NAS because I'm not going to be saying that uh, 1,200 times. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what's, that's basically what's uh, in Cyberpunk. There's always something that's uh, you know destroying uh, lives and everything, and so that's what the, that's what the hook uh, is in this world. Um, uh, but basically, Johnny uh, to get this uh, drive in his head to become a courier. Basically, it wiped out his uh, childhood memory. So, like, he can't remember anything from before he started being uh, a courier, uh, which is a great, you know, which is a great hook and a great uh, set up the stakes that he's trying to, that we get why he's going to take this job that he has no business taking. Yeah, exactly. It it gives us an idea as to why he's getting in over his head this big. And, um, and, And he's such a fun character and it's interesting that they did the the virus the disease because in the in the the novella that it's based on um there's not actually disease it's just like rejection it's Mm -hmm. much more like our bodies just don't like all this cybernetic crap that we're putting into them and there's so it's more just like a rejection kind of thing Um, right and this one this one wanted to give it more of like a specific um something they could fight right yeah um, something that, well, I mean, basically it's, it's a MacGuffin disease. Um, right. and, and then they give Johnny the MacGuffin deus ex machina cure. 
And, right. And yeah, and they need to have some kind of, uh, like, uh, mystery, too. So there needs to be some... Uh, they don't want to come out right saying it. So they all saving to the end. Um, but, yeah, he, so he takes this job. Uh, basically, he has storage of 80 gigabytes. Uh, he takes this, uh, basically, like a stim uh, to let him carry uh, twice that amount. But the job requires that he carries, like, four times his recommended limit. Uh, and basically what they say is that if you do that, you're basically going to die. Like you maybe have, uh, even if you have a little bit over, you have like maybe three days before you die. And so he basically has 24 hours. So it's got a very, you know, good ticking clock to it too. Yeah. And it's so funny that they're like, yeah, you have you have 24 hours and they keep calling it seepage. They're like before there's seepage. And I'm like, oh, ew, that just sounds gross. But it's the idea that the, the data is actually going to seep into his brain and like it'll overtake the parts of his brain that he needs for things like breathing and mm-hmm. movement, um, which is not how data works. But you know what? I'll let that pass for cyberpunk movie. Yeah. I mean, and again, you need to if you're going to enjoy this movie at all, you have to stop thinking about uh, that kind of thing. Like, it's it's fine. It It's not... Cyberpunk's not actually about the... Especially in this, it's not about that it's accurate. It's more that it's just the uh, the ideas that's going on. So we can we can roll with it. We can totally roll with it. The, the only thing... The only change I don't like is that the um, character in the book is... Or in the novel, novella is... Her name is Molly Millions. And they mm. completely did away with her because another... Um, another company owned the rights to that character, another film Hmm. company. And so they had to make Dina Meyer's character Jane, and they changed some things about the character so that they wouldn't get sued by the people that owned Molly Millions. And I'm so bummed about that, because Molly Millions is one of the coolest characters in all of cyberpunk. Um, She has a black Mia Wallace bob haircut, and her fingernails are razor blades, and her eyeballs are mirrors. Yeah, we need we need to uh, get that going. We, let's let's get uh, I don't know. Put Olivia Munn in there. Uh, uh, someone you know, just so, someone gets a franchise. Uh, we need more female led uh, cyberpunk. Let's let's get going. Let's do it. And I mean, I love Dina Meyer. She's great as Jane yeah. and all that. But they do kind of damsel her, and it's she's not she's not quite as cool as Molly Millions. So I wish I wish they'd let me have that. But maybe one day we'll get William Gibson's whatever, and I'll get my Molly Millions stuff. Yeah, and they don't really. I mean, uh, Dina Meyer does a good job, but like they, the her character is kind of. Uh, it's not really even clear what she is. Like they say bodyguard, and they say that she has upgrades, but like they don't. Again, it's a ninety minute movie with a lot going on, so they don't really. That kind of gets lost in the shuffle of kind of describing that. I mean, clearly that I guess that the uh, guys that are more technological, you know, technological uh, need tough people to and they all have attractive women around them so that's fine we, we get it but yeah it's i kind of wish they would have uh delved into that a little more but i understand yeah the good thing is that at least she and keanu have some chemistry mm-hmm. because they totally wedge in this love story that yeah. you're like okay please like, please at least have chemistry and they do they have they have some good chemistry and i'll watch keanu make out with hot people all day so that's yeah. fine yeah, for sure. Uh, and so basically, uh, he goes to this job, uh, gets a mysterious package of data. Uh, these there's these frantic scientists that uh, you know are like, "Are you sure you have enough uh, 
space in your head to take care of this? Uh, he's like, yeah, it's not, it's not a problem. Uh, I love the his entrance in here where he's like, got a briefcase and of course he lifts it up saying, I've got anchovies, you know, pizza with anchovies. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a smart ass and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes his eventual like breakdown so much fun when he's just yelling and he, I want a $10,000 a night hooker. I right. want room service. Cause he's yeah. been kind of this ass this whole time. So it's mm-hmm. really easy to believe that he would act that way and that he'd throw this temper tantrum. Um, which it's kind of reasonable. You know, if I thought I only had 18 hours to live, I would probably throw a pretty massive temper tantrum too. Right. Uh, yeah, I like how the, uh, like the pat, the, the, um, secure the data with like a password, which is three random images grabbed from, uh, the TV. And I actually like how they could have just seemed like they did that for the hell of it, but they actually have a, you know, reason, which we'll get to in a bit, but like, uh, it's just kind of fun. Like the, just anime and superhero images that are, uh, the passcode, which is, uh, well, and it's cool because they use real, like, they used actual anime and superhero, mm-hmm. like, because Vampire Hunter D's in there. Um, and I think the super, it looks like G.I. Joe's in there, too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really cool because you actually do get to see flashes of old cartoons, and this, it kind of makes it feel a little bit more real and a little bit more cemented in our world. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, they, uh, the, the Yakuza are the big crime syndicate uh, in this world. Uh across the entire world, uh, and they, uh, so they come in, uh, basically kill everyone in the, uh, in the room, uh, it's a classic, Johnny happened to be in the bathroom when it happened, so he's able to, uh, I mean, he, he also kills a guy, but he's able to get out, uh, and then, of course, I love how the, the city that they have to, he has to take the package to is, uh, Newark, New Jersey, and they're like, free city, free city of Newark, and it's like, yeah. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like you usually expect, oh, you're going to Manhattan, or you're going to L.A., or they're like, you're going to Newark. Cool. All right. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, he goes there, uh, and then he discovers that Ralphie uh, is fucking him over. Uh, he's basically, uh, again, it's, it's this movie, uh, it's got issues. It's got some pacing and some scripting issues, like where it's clear that they cut out uh, quite a bit, that because it's a little... Uh, they're just, like, jumping to scene to scene, like, uh, I don't know, like, Ralphie's basically mostly just in this, like, on a screen telling him that he's betrayed him, and it's, like, uh, it's unclear who, it all makes sense by the end, but, like, for a while you're a little lost, like, who's, uh, controlling this, but maybe it's purposeful because of, it's a chaotic world or something, but, uh, I don't know, if, if, having not seen it, if I hadn't seen it before... I maybe have been uh, completely lost by this point, but... Oh, yeah, it, it does not make a whole lot of sense, and there's a lot of moments where you're like, okay, they clearly cut a scene here, or they cut part of this scene, and mm-hmm. the exposition is just so jammed in there. Like, if you had, like, just trying to go through the play-by-play of, like, and this happens, and this... It's crazy, because so yeah. much happens in this stinking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though all this stuff is happening, sometimes it still feels like nothing's happening, because you don't have any stakes. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like that's the script issue and the editing issue. Um, which originally Gibson um, wanted something that was more low budget, more artsy, kind of funny, black comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned into this huge $30 million blockbuster. And it's this totally different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of there. I think the studio getting involved is really 
the biggest problem for this movie. This is a this is a studio heads ruined the movie kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, so basically, uh, he uh, goes to these doctors. Uh, he finds out it's a trap. Uh, but then Ice T comes in, who plays uh, J Bone, uh, which is a great name for a you know but like, leader of an underground group. T Bone, like T Bone's right there, man. <laughs> Why J-Bone? Like, I mean, you've got Takeshi Kitano as Takahashi. Like, right. it's so close to his name. You could have had T-Bone. Would have been yeah. great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then it's a classic, uh, you know, crime drama thing where, like, there's multiple groups after uh, this mysterious, this MacGuffin is in his head. Um, but it it works. Uh, I mean, it, it works well enough that you can uh, follow it along. I mean, basically, it's like uh, Takahashi's the head of uh, Pharmacom, which is the big, uh, it's basically the Tyra, you know, it's, it's the big company, uh, in this world. Um, but, uh, and also his, the guy, the Yakuza that he hired is also just in on it for himself. And so again, it's like kind of confusing of when he's doing something for Takahashi and when he's doing it for him. Uh, yes. Shinji with the sick eyebrows. Yep. And his awesome, uh, Laser garrote that comes out of a, oh, like, his a thumb. nail ring. Yeah, yes, it's it, it, yeah. In the book, it's in his thumb. It's actually like it comes out of his thumb, which is oh, okay. like that's that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is. It's like a laser garrote that comes out of his thumb, and uh, Shinji with the magic eyebrows and Takahashi don't get along, <laughs> and so that's kind of a weird thing because you just get dropped into the scene where they're talking to each other and they're clearly working together, but they're not very friendly, and it's mm-hmm. kind of confusing. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so he, uh, when he, he's able to escape, um, with the help of, uh, J-Bone, but then he goes to confront, uh, again, like, and this is, like, where it gets a little convoluted, like, he escapes from these guys that, uh, Ralphie sent after him, only to then go back to him and then get immediately knocked out, like, alright, that, it's a 90 minute movie, maybe we didn't need to have that five minute scene happen, but... Uh, I guess he needed he needed to meet uh, J Bone ahead of time. So yeah, he oh, needed oh, to meet oh. J Bone. So we had some idea who he was when we meet him later because of Spider. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and speaking of Spider, when we first meet Jane, uh, she's with uh, Spider, played by Henry Rollins, and I think Henry mm-hmm. Rollins is uh, maybe the MVP of the supporting cast in this movie. I think he does a great uh, job of again selling these this weird. Uh, Sciencey cyberpunk speak, uh, but he does a good job of actually making it seem like it makes sense, even though it clearly doesn't. But well, and he uh, gives it his all. I mean, mm-hmm. he goes on this rant about how the technology is going to kill us all, and I mean, yeah. he really <laughs> just goes into it, and it's great. Rollins mm-hmm. brings all of his passion to the role, and Rollins is a very passionate dude, so it works. And and uh, I was so so excited just to see him show up again and just be like, oh, I forgot he was in this, yay! And I mean, and you've got a movie with Henry Rollins and Duff- Dolph Lundgren in it, right. like two of the manliest men of all of cinema history, just pure badassery on screen. Right, for sure. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, let's see, what's next? Uh, so yeah, they almost cut, uh, Takashi almost cuts um, Johnny's head off, because of course, like, that's the most efficient way and most safe way to get the data out. Uh, and so, and obviously just, there's this great, like, uh, 
dry ice in a metal bowl that's supposed to look like a container for his head and it's uh it's all just grody and you know like he's in this rundown you know clinic or whatever uh it's all just really the movie the 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 production design is really something interesting in this i mean it's clearly not super high budget i mean it was 25 million dollars which is quite a bit at the time but uh still it's like i think it does a good job of uh making it feel like a rundown uh world yeah i love the the uh production design in this and I love the the way they did it because if you look at the production of design of like say Judge Dredd um, it, what's interesting is that they go with like really bright colors and really crazy stuff and even though it's grungy it's this cartoonish sort of thing whereas Johnny mm-hmm. Mnemonic goes much more the uh, dark dirty grungy like there's neon but it's hidden behind smog um, right. which is much more in tune with cyberpunk and William Gibson in general and I love I love the aesthetic and I love the fact that they use like a lot of old cars that then mm-hmm. they've like retrofitted to make them look like future cars you have right. a lot of like 1940s and 50s like Studebakers and like these big old Cadillacs and things like that but they've been turned into like future cars and it's just this really cool mix of the old and the new that makes it work and it's it's really impressive i mean given the budget and the time and everything this movie has some really really cool sets and some Mm -hmm. really cool locations and i like a lot of the costume design um other than johnny's ridiculous oversized trench coat because (laughs) dude get that tailored but other than that i mean this movie production design is on point yeah for sure uh and like i like the uh it does a good job of establishing the differences between like uh where he is in uh you know beijing versus uh what america is like and it shows how uh you know that's a great thing uh the way it like i mean they don't really talk about the rest of america but i'm assuming it's crappy and like the majority of uh but yeah, it does a good job of uh, mirroring those, uh, the rich versus the poor, uh, for sure. Yeah, it, they do a good job of that. And they do a really good job, too, like um, the low-techs in Heaven and their mm-hmm. their compound, um, which actually is not the same as the book, but they stole that from a different William Gibson book. Um, okay. <laughs> um, in a couple of his other books, they have cities under the bridges. and. Oh, okay. uh, in the book Virtual Light, they have a whole city under the Golden Gate Bridge. It's really cool. Nice. And so in this, the way it was done, like the way that the bridge city was done, like you could picture that being real. And it's they actually took like old cars and just broken junk and they just built these sets to look this way as if these people had actually built them, you know, scrapped them together themselves. And it's it's a really cool lived in kind of feeling to it that sells it a little bit more. And in those moments when you're in those kinds of sets, as opposed to like the really high tech fancy sets, it works a little bit better because it's easier to fake cobbled together out of crap than it is to, I mean, like Escape from New York is easier to do than uh, Gattaca. It's that sort of like, if it's, if it's broken down, we can make it. Right. Uh, And it kind of makes sense that that would be the case. Given, uh, you know, director Robert Longo is majorly, majorly known for uh, being a sculptor and an artist. And, like, he also did music videos. So that's how he got uh, this movie. But, like, it makes sense that he would really care about making the uh, these worlds feel lived in and interesting. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a great looking movie. Even if the, I mean, it's 
cinematography is not super interesting, but like it's still well done. Uh, it's wacky. Of, it's yeah. I mean, there's some really, really weird cuts. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the editing is a little goofy where they're, it's like, dude, did you really need six cuts to show me that he walks down a hallway? Right. Um, but, you know, it's that kind of hyperkinetic editing that you get from this era, from 95, and being a cyberpunk movie and all of that. It's, it's right in line with everything else. Um, yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. And uh, so then... Uh, Jane saves him for some reason that's uncle. Like, it's like, I don't really know. They don't really... Like, oh. again, she's, like, in that scene in the club. And he then offers her money. He yeah. offers her the most money. Like, she she basically decides, like, she sees this, like, situation going down, and she mm-hmm. goes, how can I wedge myself into that situation and somehow make it benefit me? Like, because she jumps in and starts arguing with Johnny and the um, the the... Yakuza guy, mm-hmm. and she's like basically getting them to bid against each other over who she's going to kill, like who sure. will pay her more. So, which works, and that's actually very similar to the the Molly Millions character, and that's mm-hmm. my actually my favorite moment of Jane's is that she's basically yeah. just like, hey, who can I screw over and and do okay <laughs> for myself on? Right. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, that is fun. Uh, and then uh, so basically, there's this great uh, there's this great part where they're. Like, they escape again uh, with the the low-techs show up with all their, like, slapped-together bow and arrows and crossbows and stuff, like, uh, and then, but then there there's a scene with them walking through the, uh, they, like, escape into the underground uh, subway, uh, and there's this, uh, where he says, like, I need a computer, and there's just a great, I won't, again, I'm not going to try to imitate his line delivery, because it's perfect and wonderfully Keanu, but... Uh, it's just really, you know, it's like really intense, uh, over the top again, but it, it, again, it makes it work for the kind of, it helps you buy into this wacky world. The fact that it's not taking itself too seriously. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then, and then to have the villains that you do, you know, so Shinji has those crazy eyebrows and he's mm-hmm. kind he's that like, he's one of those faces that you see in every nineties movie. He's yeah. like, he is the Asian henchman guy. Um, and so you've got him, you've got Takeshi Kitano, who is, I mean, A, he's cyberpunk royalty. Yeah. Um, he's the best thing about the Ghost in the Shell remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's in so much great stuff and so much great genre stuff. So you've got him as a villain, you've got Shinji, and then Dolph Lundgren playing, like, this weird Jesus freak with a yeah. crucifix knife and right. all this crazy shit, and he's coming after Johnny. So the villains are so wacky and crazy that... That it's great that Johnny's kind of more normal white bread American. Yeah, and I love that Dolph Lundgren is one of the my favorite parts of this movie just because of how ridiculous his character is. I mean, even I love and I love that he's this like yeah, he's obsessed with getting upgrades, which he thinks like maybe brings him closer to God or some nonsense. But then like I like that his name is just Carl. Like it's not yeah. like he's not named like the preacher or something. It's just he's Carl. Yeah, Carl. Carl. Uh, Carl's just really into becoming like Jesus, and he's got this whole like, like late eighties buff bronzed white boy Jesus thing going on, and he's mm-hmm. got the long blonde hair, and um, he's got the crucifix knife, and he he kills people with nails. It's just yeah. it's so ludicrous and over the top, and and it it's fun, and that's the thing is like nobody in this movie is afraid to just be silly and just go one hundred percent with it. Nobody takes themselves that seriously in it, so right. it works. 
And and with this cast, that's perfect. I yeah. mean, you couldn't ask for a better cast of people who know how to take it up a notch. Yeah, and I, I like how, uh, I mean, Shinji kind of just pops up uh, and Carl kind of, like, they're, they're fun in terms of there being uh, ridiculous threats, but, like, uh, the one that they really get into a little more is uh, Takahashi and Katana does a good job of um, selling the, that he's, like, he, like, lost his daughter to the disease. Uh, I mean, again, it's they don't spend too much time with him, but it's I think it's more him selling it more than anything actually on the page. But uh, when he's sad about his daughter, like it, I mean, he's still a jerk, but like we kind of see why he's uh, whatever. It kind of makes sense whatever he's uh, after, uh, which we find out later is basically he's holding the cure uh, in his uh, mind. Uh, basically, Pharmacom discovered the cure. Uh, to the disease, but obviously selling drugs to treat the disease is more profitable than uh, selling them the cure. Um, so again, once we discover that, like it all, it all makes sense why Takahashi is so obsessed with getting uh, this data. Yeah, and Takeshi Kitano is one of those actors, like, he's so good at getting you to empathize with him. Like, I like I empathize with his character in Battle Royale, and he is probably the most scummy, awful character in the <laughs> entire world. Like, he's yeah. gleefully sending middle schoolers to kill each other. Um, and yet he still imbues the character with such a humanity that you still sort of identify and at least can empathize with him. And he does that here. And this is actually, I think, the only movie where I've seen him have extended dialogue in English because usually he just does Japanese with subtitles but in this he actually has like three or four full lines in English right. which was cool mm-hmm. uh, and I yeah I I was wrong there for a second yeah he doesn't actually know what uh, is in there like because there's a reveal later where he discovers it uh, anyway mm-hmm. so he's just after it because it's his stuff because um, it's his he yeah. owns it it's his and he wants exactly. it back yeah uh, and then yeah and then as you talked you talked about earlier about the chemistry between um, Keanu and Dina Meyer is like it is good but like yeah they kind of just at one point they're like about to make out without having any I mean I guess he care. it was kind of there's the no it's pretty shoehorned it's yeah. like he he's about to die and like all this crap's happening and then they just sort of like tumble into each other's arms and it's like hey let's make out like mm-hmm. I mean I kind of understand from Johnny's perspective if he is dying you know he might okay that's fair you might want to get some before you go but uh, it just it's really shoehorned in and it's a really weird moment and I wish there was more of their relationship built in and that there was a little bit more between them that we actually got to see yeah. that and care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, because if Jane is sort of our Molly surrogate, um, then, you know, that's we, we fans of the original want them to get together. Cause Johnny mnemonic and Molly are like OTP love it. So, right. Um, but uh, it works. It works overall, and at least it's not like at least it's not obnoxious, and we don't have like a four minute long sex scene where like we can see her like humping his belly button or something. Right. It's not like an underworld movie where you're just like, okay, we get it. Yeah, and it's uh, again like there are move. There are a lot of movies where they'll try to sell the romance, but then they have no chemistry. So at least uh, they sell it through having not amazing chemistry, but better than some of the. Other movies with Keanu oh, yeah. having no chemistry with the the lead, so it's it's what not it's it's a good middle ground uh, in terms of that. But 
yeah. yeah, and then and there's this scene. Uh, so they go to Spider because they're both sick, and so he's a, one of those uh, underground doctors of... Uh, I like how they say doctor, but, like, he's both... Uh, it's almost like they're hackers and doctors, which makes sense for cyberpunk, but... Uh, so basically, uh, uh, we find out that he was the one that they were supposed to be delivering uh, the data to. Um, or at least him, he's like part of a underground, another underground group of like doctors that are trying to, uh, you know, basically save the world because they know that the corporations only care about uh, profit. So um, it kind of just, again, it just drops us into that. Like, okay, here's this group. Uh, we'll never talk to, him, talk to them about them again because... Uh, Carl's going to crucify Spider, but uh, I don't know. It it all makes sense. It, it it works well enough that you can still enjoy the movie. So yeah, you can still sort of follow the plot thread, and it it keeps moving, which so it doesn't let you spend any time thinking about how what you just saw didn't really make sense, mm-hmm. and it just kind of keeps going. And it's just like, and then it's like a really good improv sketch. It's like, and then, and then, and right. then, and you just kind of run with it, and it works because of that. Um, because yeah, you do, you go from like, oh, okay, we're going to go find out about this underground, you know, thing and spider. And then, and then Carl kills spider and then they go back to J bone and J bones heaven. And he's got the 12 monkeys TV tower going on. Right. Um, and that's when we get introduced to Jones, the dolphin, which is still just one of my favorite things in anything ever because, (laughs) um, he's a dolphin used by the Navy, uh, for psychic uh, hacking and all this different stuff. And um, in the novella, you find out that the Davy got him addicted to heroin so they could control him. So he's uh, a smack yeah. addicted dolphin living in a tank uh, under a bridge with Ice T and all of their buddies in their TV tower. And it's just so crazy. And that's yeah. what cyberpunk should be to me is like that out there stuff. Yeah. And I love, uh, but then like, I like that Johnny's reaction is. The appropriate reaction, like, this is it. This is the big, uh, yeah. you know, the big winner is uh, a dolphin with cybernetic brain. Like, Yeah, he's like, you're going to fix me with a fish? And he's like, it's a mammal. Yeah, and like, like he Jones does with not like being called a fish. Yeah, like, he starking attacking him, like, and they're like, it's okay, he's he's, run up, he's with us. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, they're like, Jones, Jones, don't, don't, it's, it's, it's okay. Because, yeah, he uses, um, Jones actually can attack people with microwave rays, which is just... <laughs> magical he shoots them out of this uh cable dish basically right oh uh, uh, and yeah and so when johnny calls him a fish he, he microwaves them and they're like no no he didn't mean it it's cool and uh jane's like he's a mammal like the way she says it she's just so like oh how could you say that like she's more offended that he called this dolphin a fish than the people he's killed or anything right. else that's happened in the movie <laughs> she's just like man get your taxonomy right uh and i love there is this gesture that uh, Keanu makes when he kind of just gives in, where he's like, "All right, let's do this." Uh, it's just uh, the, my favorite kind of uh, goofy uh, Keanu moment. But yeah, I love it. Well, I love all of it because yeah, he does. He's just like, "All right, whatever." Like, there's just a point where he's just like, "I don't have any other options. Like, right. I'm just gonna do this." And they're, he's like, "Have you ever done this before?" And they're like, "No." And he's like, "Is the fish ever done this before?" And I'm like, <laughs> "That the line delivery on that is so perfect because it's." It, again, it's genuine, and when Keanu says things, like, even if it sounds sort of weird or um, sometimes the his, just the way he delivers dialogue is a little stilted, it still works because he's it's him, and that's just the way he is, and so it's not like, 
Um, it, it's not like William Shatner where it like really takes you out of it, where it's like, oh, God, he learned this in acting class. Right. Um, but it with just, Keanu, it's just the natural cadence of his voice. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it usually, when he picks the right project, like it works perfectly. So again, in this, it's like, you need a Keanu type to be this uh, main character of this movie, so get Keanu. Uh, so it's yeah, it's great. you need somebody who's going to be Mister Cool Guy, but who isn't going to be like you don't want a Bruce Willis, you don't want uh, a Sylvester Stallone, you don't want that big macho manly man action hero. You want kind of like a little bit nerdier, a little mm-hmm. bit more normal cool guy. And I think like Keanu's perfect for that. And this mm-hmm. is really just his. This was his warm up for playing Neo, really. Right. Uh, and I love, it's crazy how, uh, I mentioned in the Speed episode, uh, before, before this one, of, like, how little time there is between, uh, Speed and Johnny Mnemonic and Matrix, and it's, like, literally four years. Like, that's wild to me. Uh, it just shows you how different and how fast, uh, the industry moves and, uh, everything, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, so earlier in the movie, uh, we found out that the head of Pharmacom, uh, basically put her brain, uh, before she died, she put her brain into the, uh, She's the ghost in the machine. Yeah, exactly. And they even say it. So, of course. And then uh, she shows up like Zordon. And I was like, whoa, Power Rangers, you have a mission. Yeah. And it's, uh, Barbara Sukawa plays her. And, and I just found out that, uh, it's cause she's married to the director. So that's why she has, uh, such a small role in here. But, uh, I really like her. Uh, she was in, Recently, she was in uh, the 12 Monkeys TV show, which is great, uh, but she does a great job in it. Uh, but so basically, yeah, she's just the, she's basically Zordon, you're right. Uh, and then we find out uh, there's this big uh, fight. Uh, so basically, everyone shows up at uh, Heaven, uh, all going after uh, the data. It's like uh, Shinji shows up, he finds out that uh, the cure is the data, uh, and that his mom, or no, that his daughter died could have been avoided uh, by his own company, but again, they care more about uh, the money. So, uh, but yeah, they, there's this great, I love the, these fights are ridiculous, but I love them. Like, uh, they're like, Takahashi's maybe about to do the right thing, but then he gets shot and then like, uh, just blown away. Uh, and I like this fight between um, Johnny and Shinzi's a lot of fun. Um, it's not necessarily the clearest thing in the world, but it's, it ends with them hanging out of a crate, and then he cuts his head off. So it's fun. Yeah, he cuts his head off with his own thumb. Like yeah. that's that's kind of metal. That's pretty great. <laughs> like this, it's a weird movie because some of the fight scenes are weird and they're not choreographed super well. And sometimes you don't have a real good idea as to what's going on mm-hmm. in them. But they all have really great endings. Like every yeah. single fight scene has a good climax. Like. Takeshi Kitano's is a little bit anticlimactic because he just gets shot and you're just like, oh, okay. But then you get, you know, Shinji's, which he gets his head cut off with his own thumb garot, which is just, (laughs) that's beautiful. Um, And his head just goes flying off into the water. Like, it's so great. Yeah, it just falls off. Yeah, it's great. Uh, And then then Dolph Lundgren, then we get his death. He gets electrocuted and bursts into flame. And it's just so glorious. Yeah, it's, yeah, Jones uh, blasts his... Uh, microwaves at him and basically fries all his shit and he just becomes a inferno. Uh, and then, yeah, and so then we find uh, uh, Keanu oh, yeah, right before uh, Takahashi dies, he uh, Ta- Takahashi Kitano gives him the final, or one of the other pieces of the 
uh, code because Keanu only had one piece, and so uh, he gives you know he does yeah, and, and ends up doing the right thing before he uh, dies. So that's kind of a little nice moment of uh, I don't know how earned it is, but it's fine it's, again. So <laughs> so I did a little digging. And um, not that great at digging because it's Wikipedia, but mm-hmm. it's a little digging. Um, but apparently the Japanese release of this focused on Takahashi's character a lot more. And mm. there's three extended scenes with Takahashi making him a much larger uh, role in the story. Um, so, like, the first scene is it's he's sitting in his late daughter's room watching a hologram of his daughter playing. And then there's another one where he watches a videotape of his daughter while he medicates himself for the, the mm-hmm. virus. Um, and then there's another scene where he kills two of Shinji's henchmen, which that just sounds like fun. I would love to see more of this <laughs> Yakuza turmoil. And like, I would have loved to see like the Yakuza guy. Why didn't he have the, like, if he'd have had it in his pinky, like he got his pinky cut off and then yeah. he got the laser wire in there. That that's, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I feel like that's again, probably stuff that got cut for the American release. And, um, apparently the Japanese release is much, much closer to Gibson's original vi- vision. So if anybody can find that with English, like, subs, maybe? Or I don't even know. Yeah, do we need to import this? Uh, yeah, we need to be able to see it. Let's let's make that happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see that um, with the extended scenes and with... Because this does. It feels like a movie that was just cut to hell. Um, that it could have really been something even greater than what it is if it had been left intact or if it had... But, you know, let, if they'd let Gibson and Longo do what they really wanted with it instead of trying to make it into a blockbuster action sci-fi flick. Right. Uh, and then, uh, so it ends with this, uh, there's this great, I mean, it again, it didn't age well, but it just, it's so funny and so, like, so ridiculous, this, uh, where he has to hack his own brain. Yeah. Uh, and there's, like, and he's this, there's this, like, avatar uh, in the, where it's, like, it almost looks like a like he's just like a tube of uh, paper. Like he's almost just like this little dummy. That's like yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's like that um, that uh, money for nothing video <laughs> from uh, Dire Straits. Oh my mm-hmm. god, uh, from the night that's like where it's like this super super or even like reboot like right. where it's that CGI that's like just blocks of stuff and he yeah. does he looks like he's made out of Pringles cans. <laughs> Um, and then the dolphin shows up and it's like swimming around and it looks like Echo the dolphin. And I felt like I was playing Sega Genesis again. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. And then, so he gets the hacks into his own brain, gets the final image. They hack into Pharmacom, get the, uh, you know, get the cure. Uh, and basically they take out, uh, they finally take out his implant. Um, and he relearns, uh, regains his memories. And then he finds out that, of course, uh, Anna Kalman, the head of Pharmacom, is his mom. Uh, so, I mean, Martha. Yeah, it's on, and it's like, and they don't really sp- explicitly state it. Like, uh, I mean, it's clear because the memory it shows her, but like they never mention it again. It just ends. Yeah, like yeah. But you see his birthday cake, and then he looks up, and and she's standing there, and it's like, oh, she's his mom, and you're like, wait. That's why all this ha- this is that's just way too coincidental. That's silly. Like only audiences in 1995 would buy this and maybe maybe even they didn't cuz this movie didn't do very well. And uh and then there's this great uh like fake out that ooh Carl's still alive and then it's like no they're just lifting his body out. Uh it's it's that's I actually like that. Oh yeah, like, and they just they just throw it off the bridge too. Like this yeah, movie he's like, features it's garbage. 
Yeah. Yeah, this movie three features three different dummies, like, just getting thrown off of things. Like, there's one where I think it's Keanu that's falling, and it looks like it's this really great stunt thing, and mm-hmm. then it's clearly a dummy. Um, and then, yeah, Dolph Lundgren getting tossed is, like, the most basic straw dummy that they throw, and it just <laughs> flies wildly through the air. It's great. And then I do really like the final shot. I think this is maybe the most interestingly composed shot of the movie where it's uh, Keanu and uh, Dina Meyer, like, uh, and you see in the background the Pharmacom buildings on fire. And uh, I don't know, it's like a, it's a good it's, final shot. No, it's a great final shot. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was when I was doing my rewatch with my husband, he goes, holy crap, Fight Club ripped this off. <laughs> and I was sure. like, it does. It looks like the Fight Club where they're standing there watching the buildings go down. It's very similar. It's Johnny and Jane and they're holding hands watching this this flaming building um it's a great shot and it's a great end to the movie right uh for sure uh yeah so that pretty much does it for this wild and uh very enjoyable movie and i definitely would recommend it to any yeah uh keanu fan like this is again it's ridiculous but you need to see it like it's the night it's the it's the, like, the kind of like the perfect uh 90s sci-fi movie for keanu to be in before he uh hit it was in one of the greatest of all time so uh definitely Check this out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is one um, I definitely recommend to people. I mean, I recommend it with, you know, a little little note. You know, it's a little dated. It's a little silly. Um, but anybody who likes, like, science fiction, 90s science fiction especially, this one's kind of a hidden gem. Um, the script and the editing are weird, but everything else is so great. Um, and it was clearly made with, you know, at least some love from the folks behind the scenes. Sure. and. And and that love really shows through. And I mean, I mean, in terms of the actors and and the writer director and everything. And that's what I think makes it work is that they really gave a shit about making these right. these backgrounds look good and making this world feel lived in and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so the production quality and the, just that quality is there, even though it's a little goofy, it's a little dated, whatever. It's a really really fun stinking movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh- uh, okay, so yeah, before you go, uh, is there anything you'd want to uh, let the fine people know where they can find your good writings or anything? Uh, the easiest way to follow me right now is on Twitter. I'm at Danny Rat, D-A-N-I-R-A-T. Um, and I'll be posting anything I write for anybody. I'll link on there. Any other podcasts I guest on, I'll link on there. Awesome. Um, but right now, that's pretty much it. I'm just sort of being a guest right now, which is nice. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here, Danny. Uh, And thanks, everyone, for listening. Join me next time where we'll be discussing the romantic drama A Walk in the Clouds. Until then, keep being excellent to each other.